Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Ronnie will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 3. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. 31,000. 373 verses in the Bible. Did you get that? 31,373 verses in the Bible. And last week we looked at 25 of them. 25 powerful, potent words. 25 of the most important words. Are you listening? 25 of the most important words ever to fall on the ears of men. John chapter 3, verse 16. Look at verse 16 with me. Come on, read it with me. For God so loved the world. Everybody read verse 16 with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And I told you last week, were you with me? Pick up the CD if you weren't. I told you last week, this is a popular, powerful, potent, well-known verse which gives us the full summary of the gospel message. A love letter from God, written in blood, addressed to all. A love letter from God, written in blood, addressed to all. Pick up the CD if you weren't here. John chapter 3, you know, if you've been with us, a respected religious leader. Anybody know his name? Nicodemus, very good, came to Jesus at night. Nick at night. Write it down. Inquiring how to be saved. Nicodemus was sincere and genuine and really seeking God. And Jesus said, you must be born again. Nicodemus didn't understand. And after several attempts, Jesus finally said, listen, Nick, some things can't be explained. Like the wind. You can see it, but you can see, you can't see it, but you can see the effects of it. The same is true of the person who was born again. You can't see the regeneration process, but you can see the effect. Now, God, listen, give me have your attention. God is a loving God. Say a better amen than that. And he is also a perfect judge. Say amen. And you can't have one without the other. Truth and grace, mercy and justice, love and judgment go hand in hand. John 3.16 tells us that God is not mad at the world. On the contrary, God loves the world so much so that he gave his only begotten son. God sees a very different world than we do. When God looks at the world, he sees broken people, broken lives. 
God sees hearts that are filled with shame and guilt and misery. God sees people addicted to drugs and their lives are wrecked. God sees people who feel hopeless and helpless and meaningless. And God sees murder and violence and hatred and bitterness and anger and greed and oppression and child abuse and famine and death and tears and depression and fear of every kind. God sees the people ignoring him and doing what they see is right in their own eyes. And God's reaction is not anger. God's reaction is not hatred or ruthless justice. It's love. God's reaction is compassion. You ought to write that down. God's reaction is compassion, not condemnation. Now, over the last several weeks, we are gathering times in John. We've been talking a lot about the new life. And we have been talking a lot about being born again. Uh, So much to say, so little time to say it. Uh, We uh, have been uh, looking at being born again. And and I continue to read God's word and see something deeper or richer or something I didn't see before and how many of you know that God's word is deep enough for a theologian to drown in and shallow enough for a baby to swim in? And I, um, you know, you get something different out of the word of God every time you go to it. Who knows what I'm talking about? So I thought today we might cover some verses we've already covered, just differently. Uh, Three things as it relates to new life, and here's where you want to write down our outline for today. Three things as it relates to new life. We're going to talk about the source of new life, number one. We'll find that in verse 9 through 13. And then number two, we'll talk about the force of new life. We'll talk about that in verses 14 through 17. The source of new life, 9 through 13. The force of new life. In verse 14 through 17. And finally, we'll talk about the remorse of new life. In verses 18 through 21. The source, the force, the remorse of new life. I've titled this sermon, A Brand New Life. We'll pick up our study in verse 9. Up until this point, Jesus has been talking to Nicodemus. And Jesus told him that you got to be born again. You can't see the kingdom of God. Jesus said, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. And the wind goes where it wants to, and you don't know, and so is everyone who's born of the spirit. And then John chapter 3, saints, beginning in verse 9, if you're looking at verse 9, say amen. Nicodemus answered, oh, I don't know, some of y'all weren't looking. Uh, Verse 9, if you're looking at verse 9, say amen. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and you do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we've seen. And you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things, Jesus says, and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is Jesus, the son of man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him 
should not perish, but have what, saints? Eternal life. And come on, read verse 16 with me again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world, come on, read it with me, through him might be saved. And revert, my voice is tired. Read verse 18. Come on, read like me. Read verse 19 too. Yeah, read verse 20. Just read the finish of the whole thing. Finish the whole thing. Let's go and finish the whole thing. I need to rest my voice for a minute. Go and read on. All right, wait, wait. wait. Start again. Start again. Verse 20 together. Together. Verse 20. For everyone. There. Done in God. Point number one, saints, the source of new life, write this down, is Jesus. Jesus. Now, again, put yourself in Nicodemus' sandals. He comes to Jesus with a question, and Jesus doesn't answer the question. Instead, Jesus starts talking about the new birth or being born again. Nicodemus doesn't get it. In verse 9, he says, how can these things be? I really like that. I've pointed this out before, and might I kind of belabor and point it out again? I like that Nicodemus asked, how can these things be and not why, but how? Because how implies Nicodemus perceives there is truth in what Jesus is saying. How implies there's truth in what Jesus is saying. Jesus says, unless you are born of water and of the spirit, you can't be born again. That which is flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Nicodemus is still not getting it. Jesus says, don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Verse 11 and 12, Jesus said, if I told you earthly things, you would believe. Verse 13, no one has ascended to heaven, but Jesus came down from heaven. In other words, new life is possible because of Jesus, who is life, who brought new life down from heaven. Listen, Jesus brought new life down from heaven. That's what he means when he's what he's talking about in verse 11 and 12 and 13. He brought new life down from heaven. You see, I think we understand by now that we can't escape the natural to reach the supernatural. God has to bring it down. Remember I told you religion is man's attempt to reach into heaven and it won't work because the natural can't peer into the supernatural. God has to come into the natural. And Jesus is telling Nicodemus that he is the source of new life, that God, the God that loved the world so much so that he came into the natural and he gave us his only begotten son. Number two, the source of new life is Jesus. The force of new life, you taking notes, is atonement. Atonement. The force behind new life is death. Someone has to die if others are going to live. In verse 16, 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's the dying in our place. The act of this love was the giving or the sending of the only son of God into the world to die. The force of new life is death. And then look at verse 14. Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, and even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Write this in your margins, Numbers chapter 22. Israel is complaining against God about the manna. And God sends venomous snakes. You know the story, don't you? God sends venomous snakes into the camp to bite the people, and thousands of people die. But in order to live, they have to look to the brass serpent on the pole. They had to believe that they were sinners. Are you listening? They had to believe by looking In faith, they wouldn't die. The same is true of the one born again. If they believe they are sinners and they look by faith at Jesus who was raised up on the tree, they will live and they won't die. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever looks to him and believes won't die but have eternal life. God, look at me. So love the world that he sent his son. God sent his son into the world to die, not a lamb. God sent his son into the world, not a goat. God sent his son into the world, not a bull. God sent his son into the world, not some flunky angel. He could have. He sent his son. Why? Because he sent his best. I'm waiting. You ought to be thankful. He sent his best. Jesus was his best. His son, his only begotten son. How many of you would send your son into a Christ-rejecting sinful world? You're sending your son to die for people who don't even like you. Who would do that? No one but God sent his son into the world. The people who would spit on him. To people who would beat him. To people who would nail him to a cross. God sent his son. His best. Romans 8, 32 He did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. The sending of his son opens the door of eternal life to those who are condemned and under the wrath of God. Look at verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. When Jesus came into the world, listen, he did not come into a neutral world. What are you talking about, Willis? When Jesus came into the world, the world was not neutral. The world was sinful. The world was, listen, anti-God. The world was anti-Jesus, anti-him. Nobody's neutral. Nobody was neutral and nobody is neutral. Jesus wasn't just all right. Wasn't it the, uh, what they told me, they told me last service, don't tell me, don't tell me who wrote that song. Uh, the Doobie Brothers. The Newbie Brothers? The Doobie Brothers, that's right, first time, okay, right. 
The Doobie, <laughs> the Doobie brother. Jesus is just all right with me. How it go, y'all? Jesus is just all right with me. Jesus is just all right. Oh, yeah. Nope. Wrong. Jesus was not just all right with anybody. He wasn't neutral. He didn't come into a world neutral. Nobody was neutral toward Jesus. People don't move from neutrality to anti-God. People don't move from neutrality to anti-Jesus. People don't move from neutrality to pro-Jesus. The Bible says we all have sinned. We are all guilty. We all are perishing the moment we enter the world. Why? How? Because we inherited a sin nature from Adam and Eve. So written in the DNA of every person, listen to me, written into the DNA of every person that comes into the world is a sin nature. So from time to time, I go to a hospital, and the mommy just had the baby, and they just cleaned the baby up and got, like, all the cheese off the baby, and, you know, they, that's, it's the, you know, the, uh, the, the stuff. It's just all over the baby. It's everywhere, you know. They, they get all that off. The baby's all cleaned up and everything, and cute baby, cute baby, new babies are so cute. You know, they just look like little angels, and you're holding the little baby, and it's so cute, little baby. And you go, man, it's just a beautiful, cute little baby. Well, you got to understand, and you got to remember that written into the DNA of that cute little newborn baby that just came in the world 15 minutes ago is sin, is a sinful nature. That baby came into the world. As soon as the baby came into the world, the baby was condemned. That's what the Bible means when the Bible says that you are condemned already. Are y'all with me? Uh, you are condemned already. So you come into the world with this sin nature. So when your cute self came into the world, you were condemned. You came into the world slaves of sin with a sin nature. Remember, I told you we aren't sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. It's a depraved, sinful nature. My German shepherd dog isn't a German shepherd dog because he barks. A man can bark, and that doesn't make him a dog. No comments, ladies. <laughs> a dog barks or behaves like a dog because it's in his nature. Y'all get me? So we aren't sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. It's in our nature. We are born with a sin nature. We came into the world. We weren't neutral. We were anti-God. Jesus didn't come to make neutral people pro-Jesus. Jesus came to make guilty people not guilty. Jesus came to make condemned people not condemned. Jesus came to make dead people eternally alive. God does not owe anyone acquittal or life. Jesus came to offer it, and some accept it, and some don't. But if you don't, then you don't say that God sent you to hell because God sends no one to hell. God, the Bible says, on the contrary, God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you go to hell, it's because you want to go. 
That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. You know, it reminds me of this story of uh, this minister and his unbelieving barber were walking down the street as their conversation turned to the love of God. Said the barber to the preacher, if God was as loving as you say, why does he permit all the poverty, disease, and squalor that exist in the world? I can't believe that a loving God would permit these things. The minister was silent until they met a man who was especially unkept and filthy. His hair was hanging down his neck, and he had a half inch of stubble on his face. And then he said, you can't be a very good barber or you would not permit a man like that to continue living in the neighborhood with hair uncut and unshaven. Well, indignantly, the barber answered, why blame me for that condition? I can't help it that this man is like that. He's never come into my shop. I could fix him up and make him look like a million bucks if he'd only let me. Giving the barber a penetrating look, the minister said, then don't blame God for allowing people to continue in their evil ways when he is constantly inviting them to come and be saved. The reason people are slaves to sin and evil, hab- evil habits is because they refuse the one who died to save them and to deliver them. The barber saw the point. Do you? The Bible tells us that Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's because when he got here, that's all he found. He found sinners. Write that down. He found sinners. Verse 18, if you believe in Jesus, then you are not condemned. But if you don't, you are condemned already. The problem, listen, isn't inability. The problem is refusal. You should write that down. The problem is an inability. The problem is refusal. People refuse to come to Jesus. If you will, people refuse to come into his shop and sit in his chair and let him clean them up and make them look like a million bucks and save them and fill them. And help them. People refuse. Thank you, brother. It is right. People refuse. And then they blame God. And God is saying, listen, I love you. I died for you. What more can I do? Well, you want blood? I gave you that. But people refuse. The problem is an inability. The problem is refusal. Jesus would do anything to get you to heaven, and he did everything he could. Last but finally not least, the remorse of new life, write it down, is judgment. Judgment. Verses 18 through 21, we just read it. Whosoever believes in the Son is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not Believe. Verse 18 explains that even though some are judged and some are condemned, it's because they are already in that condition when Jesus came. They are already condemned. Look at verse 36. Fast forward to chapter 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God does what, somebody? 
abides on him or remains on him or, or already is on him. Jesus did not come to condemn was a shocking thought to the Jewish mind. Shocking. Because the Jew thought that uh, Jesus would condemn the Gentile. The Jews hated the Gentiles. And they believed that God was going to wipe out the Gentiles. Uh, The Jews hated women. In Jesus' day, women were considered property. Um, I was talking to Colonel, Army Colonel, last Saturday, and he's on his way to uh, Afghanistan. And he uh, was telling me that they were doing some training um, in Virginia uh, as it relates to Sharia law. And Sharia law is awful. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.